With the sports world on pause, we've teamed Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson together for Power Lunch, an hour to talk lightning hockey, the NHL, and how you're coping with the coronavirus. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Center point headman, right to Kucherov. Score! Patrick Kucherov! Good afternoon. Welcome to this Wednesday, April the 29th edition of Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlinson alongside Greg Linelli helping you get through this pause in the sports world, this pandemic, coronavirus, COVID, anything you want to call it. We're here for you. Some good hockey talk, some great guests. Dave Pagnota from the fourthperiod.com. He's also the co-host of Hot Stove, which you can hear weekends, Saturdays and Sundays on Sirius XM NHL Radio. He'll join us a little bit later, and uh, we've got some good topics to discuss with him because, as we were discussing before coming on the air, uh, some developments and some potential news involving Major League Baseball, how that might affect the National Hockey League and where things might go in terms of trying to resume the NHL season and uh, bring in Greg now. And Greg, before we get started, we meant to get to this yesterday and we didn't. But when you think of Belgium, do you think of French fries? I think of waffles. But then I go. But then I go French fries. I mean, which (laughs) there's nothing more American than French fries, you know. And uh, when I saw that article, which I think you're going to get at right now uh, regarding Belgium and what a, a surplus of potatoes. Eat as many French fries as possible, everybody. Get fatter. I think a lot of Americans are like, yeah, I mean, we're in isolation, so I can eat, and I want more fries. Well, the Belgium government is asking the patriots of their country <laughs> to eat French fries at least two days a week because of the surplus of potatoes. What and they it, are patriots, by the way. 50,000 pounds of potatoes that That's they're amazing. potentially having to throw away. So uh, they're asking, do your patriotic duty in Belgium and eat your French fries. That's something everybody can get behind. Now, I saw some people take it a little too far to say, you know, I'm moving to Belgium. Yeah, we're not going there just yet. But you know what? If you want a vacation there at some point when all this is behind us and there's still a surplus of uh, potatoes and French fries and you want to take a crack at that for about a month and gain about 20 pounds, I'm all for it. We call it the Belgian belly. (laughs) Get some of that. (laughs) Well, you could do your own version of Supersize Me, the documentary. (laughs) (laughs) That would be tremendous. And also, we can ask Dave Mishkin, because Dave is scheduled to join us tomorrow. He was in Belgium over the summer. We'll ask him how prevalent French fries actually are in Belgium. You know what, Dave? He'll get sophisticated on us like he always does. And I bet if you were to ask Dave, would you indulge yourself in some French fries, Dave would be like, you know, I'm not really a carb guy. And then he asked Dave, well, how about some sweets? I'm not really a sweets guy. I don't think Dave likes food. I don't think Dave likes food at all. I think that's just uh, he has to eat it to live, but I I don't think he enjoys it. Lots of chicken. I will say that he eats lots of chicken. A lot of protein. Good stuff. Oh, yeah, that is good stuff. All right, so as we were sort of alluded to there in um, the opening coming into the show about some of the potential scenarios, and uh, we'll start with the the baseball scenario. Yeah. Because it, it is interesting how they're, I mean, they're completely revamping everything that they're traditionally do. We know baseball is so deep in their traditions, but right. you know they're they're talking about what was it three ten division teams and yeah. you know you could have National League and American League teams in the same division and 
Uh, just all kinds and a good. Again, as we've talked about with the NHL, now's the time you have to think outside the box a little bit. And baseball yeah. is really going outside their box. I think I think baseball can really benefit from this too because what's the knock on baseball today, especially with younger people? It's too long. Not only yep. nine inning games, but the fact that there's 162 games and it's basically 10 months out of the year when you start talking about February to maybe the end of October when you start discussing a team that makes it to the World Series. But this article came out uh, today with Bob Nightingale from the USA Today. The headline is MLB discussing plan to start season in late June, playing in home stadiums with realigned league. And he talked to three executives that were in this meeting, obviously anonymous sources. And I want get to get to you, get your thoughts on anonymous sources, by the way, because I, I always think that's fascinating. It's kind of like we want to know the information, and but we also slam when somebody comes out and says anonymous sources. I think it's kind of a, a catch twenty two. Yeah. I think it's pretty interesting. But these anonymous sources basically have said that there's there's strong consideration for the league going this way. And to your point, three division, ten teams plan uh, in which teams play only within their division, which I think makes uh, it very interesting. It's outside the box. So for instance, Tampa Bay would be playing the Blue Jays, the Phillies, the Pirates, you know, the Mets, and uh, some of those teams, which I, I think is pretty pretty cool in and of itself. But I think reducing it from 100 to 110 games is exactly what you would need to get people, I think, interested a, a little bit more. And he said in this article, perhaps even have several thousand fans in attendance before or during the playoffs and this one official was quoted as saying it's all coming together i'm very optimistic well and that's a word that's been tossed around a lot in a lot of sports is optimism because i think there's a lot of them that see a path uh, i don't know if we discussed yesterday but north carolina opened the door for a nascar race in may i think uh the coca-cola 600 if i'm mistaken not that i follow a ton of nascar but i saw that so there's that one we already talked about the pga you know so there's lots of these paths but the one with with um, baseball is is rather interesting. I, I think it, it it is a sport that needs an influx of some um, new interest, gain some new interest. You know, they tried to expand the playoffs. We're talking about expanding the playoffs again. I, you know, you look at other leagues and how many playoff teams they have, and that potential is there. Uh, if they shorten their season, expand the playoffs. I mean, this is a time to really delve into that and see if they can't gain some interest. And you know, it's it's a great sport. Um, that we all grew up on when we were younger. I know, Greg, I'm a <clears throat> little bit older than you yeah. on that, but we all grew up with baseball. And we understand the traditions of it, but, you know, it, you have to evolve and adapt, and, and I think that this situation, we don't want to be in it, but from a Major League Baseball perspective, it's forcing their leaders, their executives, to sort of readjust and kind of look at things from a different angle, and I don't think that can be a bad thing in any way. No, I, I don't. Again, I think the quicker we can get back to normalcy, the better for everybody, not only their physical state, but mental state, because I think, again, this is abnormal to go through, to shut down everything completely and tell people you can't interact with one another outside of what we're doing right here or Zoom or FaceTime, whatever technology you're using to communicate with friends and family. Uh, the article also, he went on to say, maybe the biggest reason why they're talking about opening things up late June, early July is that there's encouraging signs right now of testing. It's becoming more available. Uh, more states are reopening. More politicians are saying teams could play in their own ballparks this summer. So again, when this virus hit, 
it was pretty clear we weren't prepared, who can be, for something like this when you shut everything down. But we weren't prepared from a, a testing perspective. We weren't prepared maybe to uh, deal with things from a, an equipment perspective. And obviously, we're not prepared to shut down a whole economy for three to four months. I think that's pretty clear when you take a look at the first quarter GDP right now, which is in the negative territory, actually being led by uh, the healthcare industry, which was pretty interesting. And a lot of it is delaying those elective procedures that people had scheduled, but because of what many officials felt like was going to be a rush to the emergency rooms with people having COVID-19, a lot of people postponed that. And as a result, it was one of the reasons why the first quarter lagged so far behind uh, from an economic perspective. But I think the testing is becoming better. I think people are becoming more educated on how to deal with something like this. And I think we're also finding out in a lot of areas, the virus just hasn't hit as much as people and the experts anticipated. So you factor that all in, and then you also understand that there's a huge financial gain and incentive to get back to playing, and you can see why now some sports teams are cautiously optimistic. Was it Pierre Lebrun who floated the idea? Maybe it was in his article from The Athletic. I, I just heard it from a couple of people that I was listening to yesterday that maybe that's the NHL is looking at maybe December next year is when they could resume um, the start of next season. And I don't know how that factors into the end of this year and how long they'd be willing to play to figure out who's going to win the Stanley Cup. But that was something that was uh, touched on a bit, and I believe it was Pierre Lebrun from The Athletic. It, it was, and I read that this morning before we came onto the air. And some of the rationale behind pushing back to December and you know that's probably about as late as you can get because you know they've had a couple of lockout slash strike shortened season that started in January but those were 48 game schedules at that point you know if you're trying to squeeze in a 82 game schedule uh, as normal you know December's about as far as you can get it but some of the rationale behind that was it gives you a little bit more flexibility to finish off this season this campaign but at the same point it also allows additional time to try and get to a point where you can allow fans back in the stands. And that's an unknown question. I know there was a lot of um, – I haven't read the story, but I've seen headlines. Dr. Fauci yesterday said that some sports might not be able to return until 2021. So you have that on your mind. But the rationale that some of these NHL teams were thinking, we know it's such a gate-driven league, uh, about 40% of – team revenues come from ticket sales and putting people in the buildings that some teams are saying that they will actually lose less money by not playing games at all rather than yeah. playing games starting next season to empty arenas right. because of the amount of people that you have to have in the building to, to pull these things off you know what you're having to pay the players and and all this other stuff so that's a big reason why now you're starting starting to see december being pushed back uh, as a potential starting date for the 2021 season for the NHL, which, um, boy, that I, that would really cram things in. You know, we talked about, of course, you'd have to skip the All-Star game. You're going to skip the bye week for the teams. You'd shorten the Christmas break, which is uh, four days, I think. It, it's been um, extended out to it in recent seasons. So, But that would really, really cram in an 82-game schedule uh, but it would also push the playoffs into July, which uh, maybe they'll get a, a test test run on this year to see how summer hockey might work in some markets. You know, yeah, I'm wondering at what point do we look at this and say, if everybody's going to come back and play, because you and I have talked about in some ways it's a contradiction. 
the players who are your biggest assets are going to be the ones who are really exposed to one another because of the way the games are played. It's tight checking, it's physical, there's contact. And so if you're going to allow the players to assume that risk and you know from a gate perspective you're going to take a hit if you don't let fans back into the building, do you just like in a lot of instances let the fans decide who's going to show up and who's not? In other words, do we just put both feet in and just in the water and just say, look, we come back, we're coming back, everybody's, it's going to feel like it's normal again? Because I'm wondering, for the players, it's almost a catch-22. I don't know what their performance is going to be like if there's nobody in the stands. But at the same time, do you think players want to come back if the coronavirus is still out there? And I, I find it th this interesting back and forth that we're going through. And I'm, I'm wondering, do you just rip the Band-Aid off and do you allow people to make the smart decision? If you want to go to the arena, go to the arena. If not, stay home. I, I still think that's a dangerous path to go down to as we sit and talk right now. Um, you know, sitting here on April the 29th about what's that best route because – you know, I, I think I referenced this last month about the soccer match that took place in Italy, and a quarter of this Italian village had to drive 45 minutes away to get to this uh, Champions League game that was played. And then that particular village was one of the hardest hit in Italy. We know how bad Italy was hit with this. You know, if you start to... And it's a little different now because there is a little bit more education in it now. You, I'm sure you would see plenty of people wearing masks but you would just like you go to the store now and you don't see people wearing masks and you're thinking okay just put something over your mouth and you know protect you protect me on everything else so I, I think in just saying okay just take your chances I think could be dangerous and we could kind of be back in the same situation we're in right now in, in a lot of ways because I think a big reason why the numbers are coming down is because of the social distancing that we've had and we haven't been in large groups and we haven't been in bars and we haven't been in restaurants. We haven't been in sports arenas. Uh, and, and I still, still think that there's just a lot unknown. Now, again, that's sitting here right now on April the 29th. Things could look a lot different one month from now, two months from now, certainly four months from now. And then, you know, those decisions could be made because we're still talking about next season in terms of opening things up then. And hopefully we'll be a little more educated, maybe a little bit more, uh, science has come up and find ways to uh, help, I don't know, necessarily cure this, but get a hold on everything it is that we're dealing with somewhere down the road. Um, but as we sit here and talk right now, I don't know if we're ready to say yes, just let fans take their chances. Yeah, and I think that's probably why some of the players are hesitant coming back too. I mean, we had Ryan Callahan on a couple of weeks. I'm going to ask Dave about this coming up in our next segment that, you know, what is more uh, of a concern, I think, for players? Is it being away from their family if they're playing in a neutral site e or is it being exposed to COVID-19 when there's no vaccine out there and from the rumblings we're hearing in all sports it seems like being away from the family is a bigger issue than coming back and dealing with this pandemic but uh, I'm curious what what would be the biggest issue for the players coming back yeah, that's a good question, and uh, you know nobody wants to be away from their family for two, three months at a time. Uh, certainly understand that, but uh, in also some aspects, there are people in the business world who are away from their 
It's your job, you right? Know, family for that period of time because, it, you know, it is your job. And, you know, these are professional athletes, and certainly you understand those concerns. That, you know, when I was traveling for all those years covering the team for the paper, you know, I was sometimes gone for 10, 12 days at a time. And, you know, and during the playoffs, I mean, they would – Sometimes I'd barely see my my kids and my wife for extended period of times, but that was the job. That's what I was being paid to do, and um, so that that is an interesting aspect to to go along with it. But uh, again, Philip Deneau, a, a a player who's probably not going to be in the playoffs to begin with, um, you know. And so it's it's I, I think there are different perspectives between guys who are in the playoffs and players who are not going to be in the playoffs, and uh, so that that is very very interesting for sure. Well, and that's why I think before we go to break, if players are going to have that mindset, the ones who aren't in the playoffs, do you just focus on the players, the teams who are in the playoffs or in the playoff hunt and kind of go from there? Because you don't want a player coming back not playing to their full capabilities, even if they're out of the playoff picture, because that's not being a professional. You're a professional. You show up whenever you're called upon and you play. But if you're getting enough backlash from the players who are out of the playoff picture and maybe who don't want to participate in all of this, especially if you're at neutral sites and you're bouncing around and you have no shot at making the playoffs, do you make that decision now and say, you know what, training camp, go right to playoffs? Yeah, I, I think that's kind of where we're going to have to go at some point because um, we still don't know. And there's talk about that the, the NHL is going to extend the self-quarantine for maybe another couple of weeks. We saw the NBA already push back. They were talking about opening up their facilities on a limited basis. Friday, they already pushed that back another week. So I think we're going to see that a little bit before we get a little bit more of a clear answer as the NHL goes into what they're calling, uh, would be called phase two of the reopening process, which hopefully in the next couple of weeks we will get to. But we will ask Dave Pagnota about that uh, from the 4th Period Magazine, thefourthperiod.com, as well as co-host of Hot Stove, which you can hear weekends on Sirius XM NHL Radio. We'll talk to Dave about that and a lot more when we come back right after this. Craig Linelli and Eric Erlinson are the perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Rollinson alongside Greg Linelli, and we're pleased to bring in right now NHL Insider from the Fourth Period Magazine, fourthperiod.com, as well as host co-host of Hot Stove, which you can hear weekends on Sirius XM NHL Radio, Dave Pagnota. Uh, Dave, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. And as we ask everybody, how is everybody up in your neck of the woods, family, everybody's in a good good position? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, everybody's um, everyone's everyone's good and, and uh, thankfully, you know, healthy and, and safe. And uh, I'm doing all right. The furniture hasn't started talking back to me yet, so that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's always a dangerous path to go down to, especially if it's the refrigerator as you walk up to it when it says, "What the heck do you want from me now?" That's uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the big one going around has been for sure. Uh, by the way, happy belated birthday to you, Dave. I know you celebrated your birthday <laughs> Thank you. last week. And, Thanks, um, you know, we uh, we were talking uh, in our opening segment there about a lot of these scenarios with uh, sports in North America in particular and uh, Major League Baseball with their sort of radical sort of thinking. And now you've got the NHL with these pods, so to speak, these 
neutral site locations in NHL cities. Um, you had reported last week that Tampa was on that list. Uh, how how deep is that list, and is there anything new that has kind of developed here in the last week? It's it's my understanding is there's about ten to twelve different uh, I guess markets or teams that have tossed themselves into the ring in terms of um, you know consider us as a legitimate option to, to come down and play. And there's a variety of different variables that, that come in, obviously, is, is rink accessibility, how many facilities might be available, uh, hotel accommodations, proximity to these rinks, and, and so on. Um, it, it, I don't think they're cutting down the list just yet. There may be some that, that may um, you know, be ahead of, of others just in terms of uh, you know, certain government restrictions that are in place um, or, or that are being alleviated. Uh, so all of that's going to be taken into account once they make a final determination as to which markets they want to go to. Ideally, they'd like to go to four. They'd like to keep the divisions close to each other. Because you look at the schedule, most teams have, uh, I think, half of their games remaining or around that against their divisional opponents. So they're going to do what they can to minimize travel overall and at the same time try to, in their plan A, try to get the regular season wrapped up before we get to playoffs. Dave, what makes Tampa an attractive place if they go that route? I've got to think the fact that they've pulled off big events before is a plus, and you know, you've got uh, some other things that can accommodate teams from that standpoint. But what, in your opinion, what yeah. makes Tampa maybe one of those teams on a short list of of franchises that could host a bunch of other NHL teams. Yeah, I mean, you know, with with the fact that they've got the main rink right there, and you've got a couple hotels that are within walking distance, um, it makes makes life a lot easier for for all the teams and and for the league. And you're right with with having the All Star Game there a couple of years ago. Um, you know, having the notes because most of these will be kind of organized from a league perspective. Um, obviously, you know, team PR staff and, and team staff will be responsible for their own, but everything will be overseen by by the NHL. So having uh, some really close familiarity with how you can do something within a particular market from a league-wide perspective, having multiple teams um, certainly helps as well from a logistics perspective. And then again, the rink, the different hotels that are that are right near the area. Um, and again, the 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 restrictions that are slowly being lifted within the state and and within you know the the city and the county is all all of that will play a factor and and that's why as my understanding is that tampa is one of the teams that have been part of the discussion dave pagnota from the fourth period.com joins us here on power lunch and Dave, Toronto's on that list for many reasons. They obviously hosted the World Cup of Hockey not too long ago and sort of the same style of, of the way things were played out with two games per day. I know they talked about doing potentially three games per day. What advantages with Toronto would be there, and especially if we're talking division-based, and how is the situation in that part of Ontario? I know you're up in that neck of the woods a lot uh, in terms of where things are at with, with uh, the coronavirus. Yeah, I'm here now. Uh, I've been here since, um, you know, split usually between here and Los Angeles, but be being here now since kind of the, all the lockdowns kind of came into place, uh, things have improved here um, in, in the last week or so. Um, Toronto itself isn't um, certainly as bad as some of the other 
or hasn't been as bad as some of the other major cities, um, you know, that, that are out there as well. I think from Toronto's consideration perspective, you're right. You know, similar to Tampa and having the All-Star game, Toronto with the World Cup in 2016, um, from a logistics perspective, there's, there's a good understanding from the league as to how they can maneuver certain things. And again, rinks, uh, multiple rinks in terms of access. Hotels all, you know, square downtown and having the availability and the proximity to the rinks plays a factor as well. Um, and, and, you know, slowly the restrictions being lifted here uh, from, from a, a, a government, provincial and um, municipal perspective uh, are slowly going to start uh, entering, I think, uh, as we get into next week, I think, um, things, some of the restrictions are going to start to be uh, lifted slowly, like, in, like everywhere else. Um, but this is another thing to take into consideration for, for the league. There are, uh, you know, like I said, other cities that have, uh, you know, similar uh, situations in terms of accommodations and access to ranks and the ability to play multiple games throughout the day. Um, Toronto would certainly, as my understanding, be the probably biggest market from a population perspective. That's kind of part of the consideration from the NHL. Dave, what's the bigger deal for the players right now from the ones you've talked to or read about when they've done interviews? Possibly being away from their families playing at neutral sites or coming back playing while dealing with the threat of COVID-19. It seems like from some reports I'm reading, it's the former, not the latter. Yeah, it's it's it more so more so yeah, the family side of things. I mean, a lot of these um a lot of the players that, that at least I've spoken to anyway have uh, a pretty good idea or at least understanding that if they get to a point where, you know, everybody's coming back, that the league has done its due diligence in terms of not only discussing things from a government perspective, but also speaking to the medical experts that they're talking to on a regular weekly basis. Um, and, and then, of course, in conjunction with their discussions with the NHLPA, everything has to be agreed upon by both sides in order to return. There's a lot of comfort there from a player perspective, uh, knowing that as much as they want to play, when the time comes, they'll be as safe as they possibly can be under the circumstances. Uh, but yeah, the, the other aspect of it is, is being away from you know, your friends and your family for upwards of you know, three months, depending on how far you go. Um, so there's, that concern has been certainly raised within the discussions with the NHL. Um, they're trying to find ways to kind of go about that. Remember, when, when Gary Bettman uh, had his interview with Ron McLean of Sportsnet last week, he mentioned that there could be a possibility, once we get to playoff time, that some of these teams play in their respective cities, if not all of the teams, play out of their respective cities once the playoffs get to that point too. So there's, they're leaving the door open for the possibility that if restrictions are, uh, you know, lifted significantly by let's say august that there may be an opportunity for a lot of these uh teams if not all of them to play out of their respective cities from from a kind of a playoff perspective we're hearing news uh from the mlb side of things that while they may be doing this mini realignment thing uh that they'll be playing out of their their at least the plan would be to play out of their stadiums in their respective markets but obviously no fans. So from the NHL side of things, they're keeping tabs on what other leagues are doing as well and what works, doesn't work, what they're allowed to do, what they aren't allowed to do. 
Dave, what's the incentive to finish the regular season outside of the obvious financial implications? And we know how much of a hit the NHL is going to take uh, in yeah. terms of uh, hockey-related revenue, especially with no fans in the stands. So what's the incentive for teams, just as an example, Detroit, you know, for them to come and finish out their final nine, ten games, whatever it is, when they certainly don't have any opportunities to get in the postseason. I knew Drew Doughty has been on record saying he doesn't think that they should finish, although he did admit that he would have a different perspective if his team was in the playoff <laughs> chase or in the playoffs, which, of course, is going to be different. But from a league standpoint, yeah. why do they have to finish the regular season in these cases? And as our producer Steve Versnick said, if you're Steve Eiserman, why would you even put your team on the ice in this situation? Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a few different things that kind of come into play. One, uh, well, overall, it's it's obviously the finances. There's no sugarcoating it. It's you know, you you come back, you finish out the regular season, you get into the postseason, you finish out the playoffs, award the Stanley Cup. That's around a billion, uh, excuse me, half a billion dollars in revenue from a, a, a TV and sponsor perspective. That kind of comes out, so that would cover almost half, if not half, of the total revenue that they would potentially be losing by by canceling out everything to this point and just focusing on next season. Um, so outside of that, it's also for, for a lot of these teams and also from a monetary perspective, the league's paid out their players. Uh, well, minus their last paycheck, which is still to be determined, but they've, they've had two other payments that were made while this uh, pause in the season has, has taken effect. So contractually, there would be the argument that they would be um, – uh, well, they'd have to play from a contractual perspective that they would have to go out there. Obviously, again, safety is the number one concern. And if it's safe to do so, then the league will kind of try to force the hand a little bit. Um, but then you look at other elements, the draft, the, the, the positioning in the draft um, and, and all that. It sounds like the league is now leaning towards having it after the season rather than pushing it to the beginning of June uh, or having it sometime in June like, like they were trying to get going. Uh, last week, it sounds like that's going to be pushed to the end of the season, uh, which makes a little bit more sense or a lot more sense for a lot of people, depending who you talk to. Uh, so there's, there's, you know, some of those considerations into it as well. Um, now, yeah, for teams like Detroit or Ottawa or Jersey uh, and, and, you know, L.A., the Ducks and so on, it's going to be a bit of a mood issue. But, you know, everybody's going to be healthy for the most part. All teams are going to be healthy. You're going to work on your game next season. You're going to have for these teams that are going to be out, there's going to be a little bit more time in the off season to, you know, focus on, on the following year. Uh, but for some of these, these teams to come back healthy from a selfish perspective, player perspective, it may be in their best interest to get, you know, 10, 12 games under their belt after this, what would probably be a three month overall pause to kind of work on their overall game and then, you know, get back to the to training camp whenever that would, would occur for next season. Dave, are we certain or, as certain as we can be with the information that we're given that the salary cap will contract next year. And if it does, will the players have to take pay cuts like Bob Nightingale suggested from the USA Today when it comes to some owners talking about baseball players this year possibly taking pay cuts because of a condensed season? I don't know. I don't, I don't think that would be part of the equation. I, that would certainly from an NHL perspective, open up a whole other can of worms that they don't want. These, the, the conversation between the NHL and the NHLPA have been some of the um, most progressive and calming discussions, I think, in, in league history. Uh, we, we spoke with Matthew Schneider a, a few weeks ago on our, on our hot stove program, uh, 
who's one of the, the, the main executives with the NHLPA, and he said, as far as he can recall, not just working with the NHLPA, but as a player over his 20-year career, so say going back about 30 years, he can't recall a time where discussions between the NHL and the NHLPA have been more positive. That could lead to perhaps agreeing to a new CBA a little bit sooner, given the circumstances of everything. From a monetary standpoint for the players, I would not expect that. I mean, you know, it sounds like if the cap doesn't uh, stay stagnant as it is at the 85, excuse me, 81.5 million that it's at this year, if it does drop a little bit for next season, uh, it's it's going to affect a lot of teams. It's going to affect a lot of players. Escrow is going to come into the equation. The escrow figure will be higher regardless of whether we come back or not uh, this season. So they're, they're obviously trying to minimize that is one of the reasons for coming back. Um, but at the same time, if you're playing out a full season in a condensed schedule, regardless of how condensed it is, if you're playing a full 82, uh, I don't see a scenario where they would make that request to have the players, you know, kind of cut back some of their salary as part of it. I, I, I think the goal would be to move forward with that, um, with the, with the full season for next year and then get back to, you know, normalcy full fully once the following season comes into play, when Seattle enters the league, when the NHL has its new U.S. TV rights deals in place, uh, and then you look forward to a more prosperous um, beginning at that point for the NHL. Dave, does the escrow basically just, anyway, just that's going to be a reduction in salary regardless, just be, just because of the yeah. structure that the NHL has that, you know, I mean, players' salaries are going to be reduced because hockey revenue is going to be reduced. This is not, you know, I mean, they're guaranteed contracts, but we all know the escrow and how big of a, of a situation that is for the players. But, you know, if, even if the cap stays flat, they have the players have to know that they're going to get a little bit less money next year anyway. Is that kind of the understanding yeah. that's there? Yeah, yeah, without, without question. And everybody now, you know, understands that, uh, given the circumstances, that the, the escrow figure will be higher, more money will be um, – you know, kept from their from their regular paychecks every couple of weeks, and unfortunately, it is what it is for them. I mean, that's that's just a scenario um, that and the cards that they're being dealt with right now, given all the circumstances. But again, you know, it's it's losing around one point two billion dollars uh, in in not resuming and continuing the season to this point, uh, versus potentially cutting that in half or close to it by getting everything going and, and getting the season and the cup awarded and, and all that. So that, that's a big consideration as part of it. And from a player's perspective, you know, it, it may not be ideal, but they may have to move forward with it just to keep their, you know, the, the, their paychecks as close to what they've been getting at this point as, as possible. Dave, it seems pretty clear the league wants to finish this season for various reasons. But once they start back up, can they pause again if there's a spike with the virus? It seems like once you commit to playing, boy, it's hard to shut it down again, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, and, and that goes for any sport. I mean, this is going to be – it's certainly going to be interesting to see how things progress and, and from a health perspective and how they keep everybody, you know, kind of kind of cushioned and, and, and um, uh, cocooned, I guess, away from, from the general population so that they can stay as healthy as they can and monitor – monitor that if we see a spike now remember the uh, bill daly mentioned this at the end of last week i think where if you see one or two cases kind of come out that that may not necessarily not you know kind of cancel things or, or or put a second pause into play for the national hockey league if you see a spike 
then that's going to be a serious concern, no question. Uh, and that might result in them ultimately shutting everything down, which could play a big factor as to how they go about next season. There was initial talk of uh, November being the, 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 the starting point for next season. Now we're hearing reports from Pierre Lebrun, uh, among others, that it may be going to December, might be the starting point, the beginning of December for the National Hockey League for next season. And some consideration, not too much so far, but some consideration for a January start, which you'd imagine would probably condense the season from a, a total games played. It might reduce the overall games played if we get to that point. Um, again, not ideal. They want to keep a full season going next year, uh, but they're certainly you know, trying to do everything they can to minimize any of these um, possible negative scenarios that were to come out, which is why they're having their, their discussions with government officials, medical experts, uh, and, and so on, on a, like I said, weekly basis. I'd say I think it's two times a week that, that they're having some discussions or at least an update uh, so that they can try to move forward and, and plan their best case scenarios. Again, Dave Pagnota, executive or managing editor of the Fourth Period Magazine. You can find his work at thefourthperiod.com as well as on SiriusXM NHL Radio Hot Stove. You can hear weekends. And um, for people who don't know, Dave, you were one of the first to report that Barclay Goodrow was going to be a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning back on trade yeah. deadline day. So um, you were way out in front of that story uh, as we were on the air as it was all happening as well. But, um, you, you know, you mentioned the testing there. How how big is that factor that testing is available that that has to be done on a consistent basis that the players are going to come back and sort of self-quarantine themselves other than the getting the go-ahead from health officials how big is that factor into a reopening uh, i think it's i think it's going to be a primary for for the national hockey league i think we're going to start to see and, and i've spoken to some players not all because i've spoken to some teammates and they haven't been told the same thing but some players have been given an indication that it's probably best for them to return to their NHL cities by or around the middle of May. Uh, so within that point, you're looking at everybody getting back to their team. Let's say, argument's sake, this, actual, this, this moves forward and everybody actually goes back at that point. You're looking at about a two-week period where they've got to self-quarantine themselves. I'd imagine that would still be in play, upon which the league would look to have their camps opening in June. And while they're doing that self-quarantine, I would imagine the tests would occur within that period. I, 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 can't, I can't fathom that they would want to have their players all coming back to the practice rink, even though they'd be allowed to do so, without being tested first. And they've got to figure out how to do that. What are the best steps about going in that direction? I would imagine that would, would occur at some point in the second half of next month if their plan uh, to get camps going in June is still in effect. Well, Dave, to that point, when we start talking about when the league could resume play, how much of that rides on getting the players who are over in Europe back over to the States and Canada? I know there are heavy travel restrictions right now, and depending on what country some of these guys are from, you basically can't get out of those, those countries. How big of an issue is that logistically? Yeah, well, it's, it, it is. It's, it's a big issue, and that's why I would imagine that they're trying to get ahead of some of those uh, restrictions uh, now in, in, in starting to plan and starting to let some of their players know that, yeah, you might want to come over by this time. So try to figure out what steps would be uh, required in order to do that. Now, some countries are, are starting to 
alleviate some of their restrictions. Sweden in particular has been very loose with everything uh, because of the, the, the small amount of cases that, have, that they have in comparison to everywhere else. Um, so certain countries are going to be a lot easier to get back on this side of the pond um, than others. And it may, we may even see a scenario where players come from, you know, Czech Republic or, or Russia and have to go to Sweden, then into Canada or the U S uh, depending where they're playing. All of these are, are certainly part of the equation for when they're going to be able to reopen camps and get everybody back. Uh, I think next month, which starts, I guess, Friday, uh, we're going to be hearing a lot more of players starting to make their trek back to North America from, from the European cities that they live in. Dave Pagnola from the fourth period.com uh, is here on the show with us. Uh, Power lunch, myself, Eric Rowlandson with Greg Lanelli. And Dave, what kind of hockey do you think we can expect when we do get back to games? You know, this is the longest a lot of players have been off the ice. Uh, yeah. Not on skates, and you know you see plenty of guys on inline skates, but we know there's a big difference between the inline and the the ice skates. Um, but what what kind of hockey can we expect uh, from the players, uh, and from the standpoint that if you, you have to get those couple of games in, obviously to get your timing and get a feel back for the game, but how much will it also help get the competitive juices back up again? Yeah, there are a few guys that are on you know definitive playoff bound teams so far that I've talked to you that are saying that this, these playoffs could be the most exciting playoffs we've seen in a long time because everybody is healthy for the most part. Just about everybody by that time will be, you know, kind of cured up of whatever ailments that, that they've been plagued with to the, to this point in the year. Um, so there's certainly going to be a lot of competitiveness. There's certainly going to be a lot of energy coming, coming from these guys. It's going to come down to the two to three weeks that the NHL has their camps and, and to get everybody going. You're right. It's going to take a few games for, for things to really jive and for, for guys to get their timing and foot speed under them in game situations. Um, but the two to three weeks of, of, you know, resumption camps or whatever they're going to be called uh, are going to be important. No question. But the, the, the health of everybody, um, you know, we've talked to, you know, either with Tyler Sagan or Johnny Boychuk or a few others that have said that, I mean, we're, we're healed up, we're ready to roll. And they're talking to their teammates who are kind of in that same position. They're doing what they can now to stay in sh- as much shape as they can. Um, certainly going back on ice will, will, will play a factor. But uh, from the player side of things, there's certainly ex- there's some excitement starting to brew as we continue to hear of possibilities of when the league kind of resumes. Um, the, the excitement levels are picking up because, especially for the playoff-bound teams, uh, most of them anyway, that this could be some very, very fun hockey we see uh, over whatever summer playoff hockey we're going to end up getting. Dave, how would you like to see things play out when things do resume? Does going straight to the playoffs with maybe a mini training camp before make the most sense? Certainly some logistics would need to be worked out in any situation, but what's your best scenario when play resumes for the league? What would you like to see happen? Yeah, I mean, uh, personally, uh, I, I would like to see them just get into the playoffs or, or have a mini you know, tournament for, uh, for tournament-style kind of session for those teams that are kind of the bubble teams on the outside of, of the playoffs, more wildcard position and kind of a wildcard tournament. If we can get that for me personally, I think that would be cool to see. I think it would be most interesting because it 
also takes away from the Detroits and the, the Anaheims and New Jersey's where they know they're not going anywhere. So you kind of, you know, turn to them and say, all right, don't worry, don't worry about it. Let's get this, this, this little wild card tournament in place before starting up the season, or excuse me, the playoffs. And then at that point, it also condenses things and it kind of speeds up the process towards the start of, of next season. That would be my ideal. I know that's not the league's ideal. They definitely want to move forward with this plan if they can to finish off the regular season and go into the playoffs and start next season, you know, in, in November or December. Um, but for me, yeah, I, I mean, I, I haven't seen the full schedule, but if Ottawa's playing Detroit, probably going to skip watching that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why it's and like the incentive isn't there for the players. It's it's probably not there for the fans either. And, you know, if, if they're going to expand the rosters, because we fully expect at some point the AHL is going to cancel the rest of their season. It uh, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense if they can't come back with fans in the stands. So now you could have 28, 29, 30 players on an NHL roster. So you're not going to see some of the stars might just sit anyway. So, uh, yeah, there's there's would be a lot of uh, incentive, I think, to watch. Uh, some of those games, it's it's kind of like the uh, the old adage of well, who wants to watch Detroit and Ottawa in January? Well, who wants to watch Detroit <laughs> and Ottawa in July? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dave, can't thank you enough for your time, my friend. It's it's good to hear from you. It's good to talk to you. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, people can follow him at thefourthperiod.com. Also follow him on Twitter at thefourthperiod, and that's spelled out fourth period, the fourth period on Twitter. Uh, all my best to you, Dave. Uh, we'll hopefully catch up down the road. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Thanks, Dave. Be safe, man. Hey, Dave Pagnota from the fourth period. I've known Dave for a long time. Um, did a little work for him uh, as well at one point in time. So uh, it's good to hear Dave and get his perspective. And, um, you know, a lot of good insight, a lot of good information there in, in terms of, of where this path and this potential light at the end of the tunnel is heading. I like what he said about just going straight to the playoffs for obvious reasons. I think you might be able to get the attention of the NHL fan base right away if you do some sort of training camp first and then go right into the playoffs. I know some players have talked about regular season games, and that would be great. But I think we also have to deal with the reality that there are some teams you just don't know. Are they going to field an NHL roster because they're so far out of the playoffs they just don't care? And, you know, the second part of that equation is where are they emotionally if a team like Detroit is just playing things out just to play things out and you're not getting the best brand of hockey in addition to, you know, what the ice conditions are going to be for everybody involved. So I think for me personally, I agree with Dave. I think you and I have talked about this before. I understand the league wanting to get some regular season games for revenue sake, for players' safety perspective because they want to get them in shape but honestly I think I'd want to grab the attention of the fan base right away I want to try and build things up as quickly as I can get that intensity level back to where it should be heading into the playoffs and if teams have a couple of weeks to prepare for the playoffs with a training camp then I'm all for starting the playoffs and getting things going that way I understand I think that's probably what the league won't do but for me that immediately gets things going right away and uh, it's something I'd be in favor of I'm with you I I think that you know with so much of the season already have been played out uh, what 85 percent of the games have already been played on the NHL schedule Um, you know find some way to expand it Uh, you know you want to give the top three teams in each division maybe a buy or something along those lines and and let the you know the uh, six through uh, 12 or whatever it is play some sort of play and I, I think that's 
in a perfect world, that's probably the best case scenario to get things done. I, I think the one thing you'd have to give those teams that get a buy an opportunity to get a feel in for some games, I think they'd be behind, be behind a little bit if they're facing a the team that came out of us, say even a best of three series uh, in a play-in situation. So I, I think you have to consider that as well. But I, I'm with you. I, I think you should just jump right into a playoff scenario. That's the best way to get people's uh, attention and, and, and kind of get things back on and amp it up. Because I, I think those competitive juices and the players, well, after having been away for so long, would amp up pretty quick. I know we want to go to break, and I don't want to get too crazy. But then again, you and I have talked about thinking outside the box. And for those markets that aren't in the playoff hunts, and I'm not sure people would uh, watch on TV and the players would get up for it because you're essentially playing for, in my scenario that I'm going to throw out there, the first overall pick. And I think you might have thrown this out a couple of weeks ago, but you wonder maybe something for them, get the six worst teams or the ten, whatever, whatever you want to do and say, whoever comes out of this mini tournament gets the first overall pick. I know we don't have a Sidney Crosby in this year's draft, but you do get a franchise-type player. And we had Ryan Kennedy on yesterday to talk about the draft. You know, would that be something that the league could get a little creative and it may tick off the Detroit Red Wings or the Ottawa Senators, but you're also giving those players an opportunity to get on the ice and play for something, albeit uh, the, the highest draft pick, which you don't want to have every year. Well, then where does San Jose come into that? Because they don't have a first-round draft pick. It belongs to Ottawa. So yeah. how are they going to get out on the ice? They what can they combine teams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that would make them a powerhouse in the uh, losers great. bracket, so to speak. That's so, right. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's take a quick break here. Uh, you're listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. I'm Eric Erlinson. He's Greg Linelli. We'll wrap things up when we come back right after this. An hour of hockey talk to get you through social distancing. This is Power Lunch with Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Rowlinson alongside Greg Lanelli as we get you through another week of social distancing and everything else that's going on and uh, certainly some positive signs on a lot of fronts coming out of that in, in terms of things starting to reopen and kind of in phases and get back to some sort of semblance of normalcy here. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll throw this out, Greg. I, I know I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Your daughter's birthday was last week, my wife's birthday is today she's once again celebrating her 29th Happy birthday, birthday. tonight right. uh, my young. wife judy she is uh, much much younger than i am and she likes to point that out to me all the time uh she's not really but um no i don't uh but this is our this is our second birthday that we will be celebrating in the erlinson household uh in self-quarantine and we were actually just a few days away from it being three because my other son kevin his birthday was back on march the 9th so um, we've had a lot of um Self-isolation birthday situation, so um, very, very strange you times. You hold up okay with that? Yeah, you know, we're good. I mean, we're in a good spot. You know, like I said, my wife is still teaching and everything, And uh, but it, it it is weird. Like, you know, we can't, you know, I mentioned we had my in-laws over for Easter, and they sat at a table in the front of the room, and we were in the back of the room, and that was kind of weird <laughs> um, in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, we were in the same room, uh, I guess, in some yeah. aspects. But, you know, like, you can't have that. Like, my son turned 15 last month and you know that's a it's not 16th birthday but it's you know he could have gotten his driver's license and you know his learner's permit and all that stuff um you know so that's been weird and difficult to deal with uh certainly not like having elsa show up at my door queen elsa show up at my door like you did that's a big deal queen elsa it is a big when deal. she comes in um 
You know, and I think, E, that is why when we start talking about this virus big picture here, I think that's why a lot of people, and you can probably throw me in that category, and I think you can kind of guess where I'm going with this, is why we probably want to start easing ourselves, and maybe more so easing ourselves, into everyday life again. You understand the risks involved with the coronavirus. Nobody's saying that people with pre-existing conditions should go out there and bear hug somebody with no clothes on that wouldn't wouldn't be advised <laughs> but you know i think i think americans that was a are, bad mental image you put in my head i know way. i know well you know listen you know, this is what <laughs> i try i try and scar you for life um <laughs> you know i think americans for the most part you know are are pretty pretty smart people i, I and look you're always going to have knuckleheads and i think sometimes social media we we focus on the person who goes to a convenience store and licks the ice cream and puts it back in and oh, you know they think gosh. that's funny you remember that i mean that was just oh yeah ridiculous. that person should be beat up and, and if somebody did that um you really couldn't fault somebody who would do something like that i mean that's that's just egregious and you know if you want to put that person in jail do it but i think for the most part americans are pretty smart and i don't think they're going to do anything they're uncomfortable doing but i think we're also in a weird time we're we're kind of in a a really pivotal moment, I, I think, in our, our country's history. And I think it's, you know, being able to get back to some normalcy because this, as I told you at the, the beginning of the show, this isn't normal behavior for anybody. Human beings are supposed to be interacting and going to work. And I, I think when you lose sight of that and you see what's happening with, you know, the, the economy and, and maybe where people's mental state is right now. I think people are smart enough where you understand the risk. You do. But I think we all want to get back to some normalcy for the very reasons you gave, just the little things, celebrating birthdays, yeah. being around family, being able to to go to the, the post office or the grocery store without having to uh, be so paranoid that, you know, something's going to happen. I think we need to get back to what's made this country great. Yeah, I, I think we're all craving for that. Uh, you know, just you, you're concerned that is it too soon? Is it too early? Are people educated enough? Will they take enough uh, precautions? Uh, what the governor of California opened up some of the beaches and he saw some of the pictures out there and he had to put out the stern warning. Look, if you're not going to maintain social distance, I'm going to have to close them again. You know, so uh, you, you'd hope that people are a lot more educated now than we were, uh, what, seven weeks ago now? I think we're, we're about seven weeks into this uh, certainly I know yeah. I am I've done plenty of research and reading up on it and yeah you know I, I carry around <laughs> fortunately I had these before this all hit these little bottles of hand sanitizer I have one in my car I have one in my wife's van anytime we go out before I start up the car I you know clean my hands and and make yeah. sure that they're clean and not putting anything in the van and you know we do wear a mask when we're out so you know we are certainly taking those precautions and um, you know, and I, that I makes sense. That, yeah, and that, I think that's going to be the new normal for a while. And I think most people look. You know, we talk about you hope people are more educated about where we are right now. I would hope so. That's all that anybody's talking yeah. for the last three months, twenty four seven. Whether it's local news, whether it's cable news, whether it's just you know talking to your relatives. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody understands. I think the very basics of this virus. Now, look, some people will choose to stay in even when the green light is given to all states to uh, go back and do their things. And you know what? That's fine. But I think there are some of us, and I think it's particularly people probably, you know, under 65, probably under 55 that are saying, you know what, I'm going to take the risk. I understand there's a possibility that I could test positive, but I, I'm a lot better 
in handling something like this now than I was three months ago. And, you know, I'm willing to risk it a bit because let's face it, every day we wake up, we risk something because, you know, you could get hit by a bus. You could, um, you know, something terrible could happen to anybody on any specific day. And I think it's a risk you take every single time you wake up. So I, I think people understand that or are starting to for sure. And I think getting back to some normalcy, and I think sports is a big part of that. And that's why I think this show is valuable to a lot of people. It's giving you a sense of what we could have moving forward. And I think once play does resume, I think you're going to see radio ratings, TV ratings go through the roof because people are craving normalcy. Yep, and we already saw that with the NFL draft. They yes. had all kinds of higher number of 15 million people watch that. Right. It's up, up about 6 million people uh, from their highest ratings. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's certainly uh, something that we're all looking for. Uh, speaking of normalcy, how about a normal trivia night with Greg Wolf? The uh, Bolts Turbo Trivia takes place tonight. Uh, it's a 6 p.m. Sponsored by Outback. Uh, winners to tonight's contest will receive a $75 Outback gift card. And the runner-up receives an autographed Anthony Sorelli puck. Of course, you can find that on the Lightning Facebook page uh, on the Lightning app. You can get in your App Store or Google Play, wherever you download apps, or just go to boltstrivia.com. And uh, any other closing thoughts here, Greg, as we wrap up? No, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, continue to educate yourself. Um, I, I think we're starting to see sports teams, sports leagues come out and talk about getting closer to returning. And I think that's only going to continue to pick up, particularly with uh, the virus maybe starting to really level off here. So I think what we're doing is working. I do think people are ready to, to get back and, and dive back into this thing and take this virus head on if they can to, um, again, get back to some normalcy. But continue to, to look for Major League Baseball, you know, even the NFL, um, obviously the NHL. You're going to start to see more and more, I think, anonymous sources pop up about when play is going to resume. And it sounds like we're starting to see the big picture a bit more every day. Yep, yep, we're getting closer to that day. We're getting closer to hearing Dave Mishkin call goal calls on the radio again. But in the meantime, you can hear Dave Mishkin with us tomorrow on the show as he'll join us to kind of catch up what he's been up to, where he's been at, and kind of talk about some of the replays that we've been doing just as uh, we have um, you know, the lightning replays on 95.3. What is it, Game 2 the Stan or Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final yep. is tomorrow night's yep. show. So uh, the 2015 Stanley Cup Final against Chicago, you can hear that 7 p.m. on 95.3 WDAE as well as right here on Lightning Power Play. All right, that's going to wrap up another show today. Uh, thanks to Steve Versnick for, as always, uh, making sure we stay on the air and putting together everything for us. Da thanks to Dave Pagnota from the fourth period. Dot com Some great information with them. We also have later in the week scheduled. Carter Verhage uh, is expected to join us on Friday, so keep uh, an ear out for that as well. Uh, for Greg Linelli, thanks for everything you do, my friend. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm Eric Erlinson. This is Power Lunch. We'll be back at noon tomorrow. Take care. Be safe.